a really useful tool for um, for aiding in the process of focusing on on comprehensible input on another language and also avoiding the trap of translating everything mm-hmm. is just hi Cameron hello how are you I'm good I'm good thank you and good. well welcome to the podcast first of all it's it's a pleasure to have you on thank you thank you and it is a real huge pleasure for me to be here appreciate it you know, my pleasure, like I said. And yeah, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your background when, when it comes to languages, like where, what were your first experiences with languages and yeah. Sure. So it's, I guess it's kind of a long story, but I will focus on the important bits. Okay. So like most people, I took, I took language classes in, in high school and in middle school and elementary school. And I did terrible in my classes. Like I, almost failed um, and I, I just never cared. It was actually my least favorite thing to, to, to learn. Um, I think just because of the way it was taught in school. And then, but I, I'd always had such admiration for people who were able to speak more than one language. I just thought like, how did you even accomplish that? It's very, very impressive. And then really, I think it all changed one day when I was, um, I was, working with some Mexican uh, workers in like a landscaping job. Okay. And I was just kind of joking with them about their English. And they made a joke. Well, a joke. They made, they told me like, yeah, you can, you can make fun of us, but you don't speak any Spanish. Like you can't, you can't even make a mistake in another language. And, uh, I just, I just thought, yeah, you're right. And I remember this guy just, just looked at me and he's like, you should, you should learn Spanish. And like in that moment, just like me and these Mexican dudes, I was like, I kind of owe it to them just because of this conversation, like go learn something. And so I would go learn a couple words and I would come back to work and I would like, you know, Hey, I learned this word. I learned that word. And then I would ask them like, Oh wait, why would you say it differently here? And you know, why would you say it this way? And I started to become just interested. And then. And then very quickly, I kind of realized, like, I could actually try to do this. You know, I could try to learn a language on my own. And I went on YouTube and I didn't want to waste my time like I had in school. So I just Googled, like, how do you learn a language? What do you actually need to do? And very quickly, I came across um, Stephen Krashen and his, you know, comprehensible input theories mm-hmm. and just made made a lot of sense to me. Um and I thought like, wow, that's actually, yeah, that just makes sense. That seems approachable. Um, and so, so then very quickly I, I looked for comprehensible input for Spanish and sure enough, there is this huge channel dreaming Spanish yeah. with so much content. And so I just started watching these videos and like, like, like anyone who's done that, you can't help but learn. And so, um, I just kept, kept watching more and more videos you know, just learn Spanish. And then, so I guess to bring it back to what I do now, I just realized like, this is crazy. Somebody just made videos and now anybody, anywhere, anytime for free can learn Spanish. And, uh, and I thought this needs to be an an option for every language. And I was just amazed at how little resources existed, um, on the internet. So I thought, okay, I'm a native English speaker. Mm -hmm. I should, uh, 
I should start making this content for English. Yeah, and cool. It's, yeah, fortunately, there's more and more channels coming up and more projects mm-hmm. um, for different languages. But yeah, still, I'd say for mainly Spanish, but French, German, like sort of the most popular ones, you can find things. But it might it's be not as, as extensive as it could be, you know. If yeah. You look at all the money that gets poured into anything in, in human endeavors, and it's like, man, we don't need that much labor and time to be put into these kind of resources in order right. to have like a standalone set of resources and videos. Um, so yeah, it is good to see it coming up, but there's so much to there's so much supply available um, to be created, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's, I mean, the from from the content creator perspective or the teacher perspective, obviously it's easier said than done. But the whole thing is making it comprehensible and as interesting as possible. That's it. Yeah, that's that exactly. It's those two things. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you know, that, that's that's where the magic happens. So that that that's also the tough part. But what I mean is that it's quite simple. Is you only need those two things. So it's, you know, you're doing that on a daily basis with, with your friends, with you're talking to them. You're, so it's not that you need to create something really complex and no, it's about, uh, but I really loved, before I forget, I loved the way you put it, that you say you can help, but learn. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens. Like, yeah, you don't, you're not even aware of it, but you're learning. That's quote unquote, the magic, right? Yeah. Again, that's how you learned English when you were a kid. That's how I learned Spanish when I was a kid. Again, there are little differences, of course, but what I mean is we weren't worried about grammar, conjugations, and things of that nature, or yeah. at least. <laughs> yeah. And the adults are never worried that you're not going to learn either. All the adults know, like as a, as a baby, everybody knows you're going to learn. But yeah, with the, with the videos too, and with comprehensible input strategy, I've never met somebody who it hasn't worked. You know, the old, the people that don't learn, they always just have the same story of like, well, I didn't understand. And then I stopped. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, well, that's why, you know, that's what happens. You just stop. Um, yeah. Cause it needs to be comprehensive. Yeah. Cause I, I see that with English a lot in, in Spain, for example, or Spanish speaking countries that because they want to, they want to access series or movies right away because they're super interesting. I, I get that, yeah. of course, but they're not comprehensible at all. It's, it's actually one of the most difficult resources to understand, right? Mm-hmm. But they want to access that right away or, you know, after not so much time. So they start looking for tricks like subtitles in their own native language, which obviously is going to help them understand because they understand their language, but the English part is noise for them, right? Yeah, that's that's such a it's a very big mistake to think that you can like mix your subtitles and you're gonna you're gonna learn. Yeah, no. Right. So it's I mean I understand that because it takes patience. It's long it's a long process. Mm-hmm. I understand when you've been trying to learn a language for a while or you've been listening like you said, with Spanish you dreaming Spanish has so much content and there's other okay. channels as well. But sometimes you can start with channels like that, but there's no so much content depending on the on the language. And you might hit a point in which you've been trying for a while and 
you don't seem to get to the next level because the uh the the easier resources like cartoons and things of that nature you can understand but after a while they're not that interesting <laughs> yeah and so briefly that gap can be a challenge sometimes yeah there is kind of a tough bridge between that intermediate as well like the like getting you know there's very yeah, there's, there's a lack of resources all the way up to advanced Netflix, you know, sharpening your Spanish or whatever language it is. Um, yeah, I think one thing that I'm very excited to see in the near future, in the very near future, is just how AI can be used to create these resources. Mm. Um, in, in theory, you could just have, especially with video creating AI, you can just tell an algorithm like, because I mean, it can create the text, it can create the voice, it can create the video. Yeah, you can tell it, okay, tell me like an interesting story about sharks. I love sharks, or you know, painting, or whatever you like, and and just tell that thing, like limit your vocabulary to the first three hundred words. Right. Um, and if you're going to use a word over that, just like highlight it and, and give me the the uh, translation in Spanish, and it will do all of that instantly. And I think once we can create softwares. And applications that just integrate those artificial intelligences, you can just have like a like a personalized, per, almost perfect, comprehensible input generating yeah. application just in your pocket. Like that, I think that's going to be a very exciting change. Right. Like happening right now. Yeah, I mean, on that front, I've been experimenting a little bit with ChatGPT. Still not the same. Obviously, it's not just with text and things like that, but. Mm. For example, with German that I'm learning now, I, I try different ideas like creating stories, like you said, you know, like use the mo the thousand most common words, create a story about whatever, something that you're interested in. I've, I've also done sort of a cross talk with the chat GPT, like, I, I, like several months ago when, I mean, I, I'm still in the process of, of learning the language, meaning that I can't communicate yet. But like several months ago, I couldn't communicate at all, right? Mm -hmm. So what I did was sort of a conversation with it, and I would use Spanish all the time, and the chat would reply in German. So it kind of a crosstalk. Yeah, crosstalk. Yeah, and then you can use add-ons or like Chrome extensions to listen to it as well. Mm. You get both the text and the and the audio. Yeah. But what? Yeah, what you're referring to that would be like the next step. Yeah, the video at in um adding video to that is just that next load. It's that like third dimension that completes yeah. the whole picture. You really, do, really don't need anything else after you get good video. And we're already there. I saw something on Twitter like three days ago where the AIs are generating like seamless video, uh, very complex, very, very good video. So I think it's just around the corner, and I, I'm very excited. I almost view. I almost view the most important thing about making an impact in language right now is like getting the audience and getting the attention because like I I think it's obviously important to make the resources right now. But man, that you soon it's just gonna be it's just gonna be an application, I believe. Um at some point. I think I think probably soon. Yep. You know, I'll definitely I'll definitely work on that so I can get my hands on on enough AI. Yeah, it looks like it. Looks like it, yeah. And getting back to your Spanish journey, um, how long did it take you, or how long did you listen to the language until you felt like you were somewhat ready to start 
going out in the real world and communicating? Sure. So in total, I was I was just in Montana in the USA mm-hmm. studying for about 30 minutes every day um, and for about three months. And that was when I, uh, three months was just when I realized like, oh, this is going to work. And then I, up, I upped it to like an hour a day. Right. And so the next seven months was about an hour a day. And then it, it was about 10 months in that I flew to Spain, um, 10 or 11 months after I started, I flew to Spain and I was just, I was able to speak. Um, it was kind of difficult and I would kind of get tired after a few hours of talking, mm-hmm. but I was at the point where people, people would tell me like, oh, you're the, you know, I've never met an American with better Spanish. And that was less than a year, you know, like I, I, I knew three words the year prior. Um, right. That was the time frame. Well, yeah. Sometimes it, it, it sounds like magic sometimes because it's, yeah. what I mean by that is because the you're actually acquiring the language. The thing is you're not aware of it because we're so used to constantly controlling the process that when you can't really explain what it's in there, <laughs> sometimes there's there's some sort of uncertainty there that because you can't explain it. If someone asks you, so what 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 do you know in Spanish, right? Sometimes you're six months in and you can't say anything, but right. you feel like the language is getting in your head. Some yeah, you can. There's a huge difference early on in what you understand and what you're able to express. Oh, like I, I so I didn't really talk at all, basically, um, for the first ten months. I basically right. just didn't talk at all. Um, and yeah, I think that's a good way to go because you don't you don't internalize bad speaking habits. Um, because you, you still don't, again, you're still not aware of what sounds correct. So if you just go guessing all day, you're going to, you're going to just create, you know, neural circuitry or whatever. That's, that's just incorrect. Um, so and that was something I had seen on, on dreaming on Pablo's YouTube channel. And so I was like, okay, that's good advice. I will, I won't try to speak too much, but then eventually he won. And I mean, it's like some people might think that might hear that and think it sounds kind of sad. Like, oh, I want to, I want to speak. You won't help. You won't be be able to help yourself. But if you're like walking around the house, like I would, I would just say to myself, if I knew the sentence was correct, like, like this yellow chair is comfortable, I would just say that to myself, and it would be fun, you know. Or like I would learn. Actually, I think I think a good. I do think a good practice is learning lyrics to songs, and then singing along to those lyrics perfectly because. They are they are written by a native. They are you know, effectively like perfect Spanish or, or whatever. And you can kind of scratch that itch of using language, speaking it, which is fun. But, uh, right. Yeah. And do you feel like it helped you with pronunciation as well? The, the lyrics part that you're talking about, or was it just scratching your itch? Like you said, like you wanted to speak, yeah. but you felt like you weren't ready yet. So let's do this. It's it sort is. of a stepping stone, right? So yeah. Yeah, it, to me, it more it more so it kind of just feels like a little reward along the way because mm. when you're when you're just inputting, like it, there's, there's a certain um, level of how rewarding that is when you're just watching and you're able to understand. But you know, for a long time, you don't get the satisfaction of like making a friend and you're in that language and speaking and telling a story. Um, and so, music is just kind of this other nugget of like, you know fun thing that you can now access 
because of what you've learned. Uh, but I, I, I do attribute, um, you know, pronunciation, all of that to just the hundreds of hours of normal videos, but it, it definitely helps. It definitely doesn't hurt. You know, certainly doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah, it is. I was just curious, but yeah, again, pronunciation is just like a natural consequence of the accent, the accents you're listening to. I always talk about it. You know, when, when I do the episodes in Spanish, I talk about the fact that for Spanish people, for example, when they go to the UK, they learn the British accent. When they, you know, when someone goes to America, they learn, it's, it's not a surprise that they speak with American accent, right? Right. I, I learned English by watching the NBA for the most part. So I guess I sound more American than British or any, you know, even though I listen to British uh, English sometimes, but it's mostly American. So it's not, it's not a surprise that I use American more than any other accent. Right. That's cool. That's cool. You watch NBA. That's nice. I think that's a, that's fun. I remember, I remember realizing that I could do something like that because they'll use kind of the same vocab, you know, like he's, he's passing here. He's dribbling here. It's not. Yeah. There's a set of verbs that are used in in any context. Um, I remember I I st the one of the first pieces of native material that I could follow was like animal uh, wildlife documentaries mm. because they tend to just talk very slowly. Um, mm. And uh, and I remember one of the first things that was like a really cool challenge to me was Do you know the game Counter Strike? Yeah, the video game. So I, I would watch um, the ESL España professional counter-strike matches okay and like you know six months in i would play it and it was just like like i understood nothing and i just remember thinking like i'm gonna revisit this like every month i'm gonna click a video and i'm gonna see how i'm gonna see if i can understand and it was so satisfying after just a few months later like, I'm like okay it's been a few weeks let me go watch another counter-strike and like, these dudes are just just like speaking the fastest Spanish they can basically right it's online sports fast paced thing and uh yeah yeah real time as well so it's like you don't have time to think about it from their perspective I mean so they're just talking you know as they as something comes up on the screen they gotta talk right away right yeah. so, it's like almost their job as entertainers to speak really fast yeah you know, right, right, part, right. Of, part of a commentary thing so it's definitely not beginner material right yeah, but I think there's there's something about those resources. Well, first of all, is they're interesting. Basketball yeah. to me in that case and um, video games for you. But also, especially with sports, is not only are they using the same expressions over and over again, but when when they're actually commenting the game, as they're talking, they're they're talking about something that's actually going on at the same time on the court. Right. Right. So you listen to it, but you see it at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like your thing sounds a bit more complicated because of the language they're using and how fast they're speaking. But I guess it falls into the same category somehow because they're yeah. they're they're talking about oh, there's someone behind the corner, watch out, whatever, right? And, yeah. and you see that at the same time. So it's like it's easier to connect the ideas. It makes it more comprehensible. Yes, and actually that brings me. I think this is a good place to mention something that I just Minecraft, the game Minecraft um, uh, that you had commented on. So it's like that game I think is perfect for language acquisition because it has everything in like 
almost like the real world. You know, there are trees, there there are rivers, um, there are caves and rocks and all these useful words. And there's so much to do. And and the whole time you're narrating what you're doing, and it it goes down to like the, the very the most basic things. Um, I'll give an example really quick of like you know you can be I can be walking somewhere. And then I can say, I'm going to go over here and then oh, I'll go over there, just walking. And then I might say, actually, and right as I say, actually, I might look the other way. Right. And so now like they understand that, you know, saying actually is like, I might change my mind here. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, all those kinds of cues are so valuable. And Dreaming Spanish had uploaded when I was, when I was still in my like beginner intermediate phase, he had only uploaded around, I think like two or three episodes of Minecraft and they were about and you know, 30 minutes or an hour long each. And I just remember thinking like, this is perfect. I would watch this all day because I find that game like very relaxing to watch. Mm-hmm. And, and I just thought like, okay, when I make my channel, which it really took me, I think too long to get focused on that, but that's a different story. Oh. Um, but I just thought when I make my channel, I'm going to definitely do some Minecraft. But I did like a bunch of that this winter. And now I'm like, I mean, it's, yeah, just it's not everyone's cup of tea, and so you know I think it's important to make generalized videos. Mm-hmm. But there's also a huge audience of of like this younger generation that loves freaking Minecraft, like so they will watch it all day. Right. Um, yeah, and you never know what the audience is gonna like, so you you also have to try different things. And probably when you talk about the things that you're interested in yourself like video games cultural video whatever it is that you can also tell from the audience perspective you know when someone's passionate about something like that that's part of it as well because if you're because i'll ask you about your time in a moment but if you're making minecraft videos because of the audience and not because you like it yourself sooner or later you're gonna get tired because you're not enjoying it right yeah but you like it and people seem to like it. So that's win-win, that's awesome. Then you try different ideas like cultural videos or I've seen comic books in, in your in some of your videos as well. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's, for me, it, it's important to keep talking about the things that I'm interested in, but also like finding the balance between the two of them. Like, yeah, you know, and I, I know this. I noticed that firsthand. Actually, I, I remember very well, like early on when I was watching a whole bunch of Dreaming Spanish, he had he had said in a video, I think he was like, "Hey, leave a comment. What kind of videos do you like most?" Um, and I and I kind of thought about it. I was like, oh, "Which ones do I like the most?" And my answer that I'm sure I could find that comment somewhere on his channel, but my answer was, um, "I like the videos where you, Pablo, seem to be the most interested in what you're talking about." He doesn't really care, but when when he's animated and when he's got a smile, I could just, it, it's that is what makes the video easy to watch. And like I hadn't even realized that until he asked. I went to go, you know, I'm I'm thinking like, oh, I guess it's probably going to be my interest, but I realized it's not even true. It's, mm-hmm. it's the, like the videos where he's the most into it. Yes, because as him sort of comes across, right? Like you can feel it from from the other side, and. Yes. Yeah, and so th- is that w- when you started your channel, 
did you think about creating different types of videos or how, how was the thought process there? The thought process was, was very much so, um, yeah, it's weird because I started like three years ago, which is freaking kind of crazy. I just got, um, got distracted with other things, but, um, happens. <laughs> the, the thought process was, was definitely, um, to make interesting things and, you know, I guess I'm obviously like anything I found interesting. I just, mm -hmm. I just thought, okay, most people um, will probably also find that interesting, but that was, that was a big focus of mine. because I thought, you know, that's something people, that's like something the language learning community really gets wrong is that this process doesn't have to be boring. Like, and there's no reason it should be It's just yeah. kind of a waste. It's a wasted opportunity. Like if you're going to just input a medium, you know, a language, you might as well have the content just be interesting. Like, why not? It, it just doesn't, um, but yeah. so much of language learning in school is like, okay, now we're going to learn like all about how to get around a bus terminal. Like, dude, I spend like one day, like a few days a year in a bus terminal. Like, who, you know, and boring. And like, and somebody speaks English there anyways. I, like, all right. or, or use Google maps to get by. Yeah. And, like, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. And it's this, yeah. Again, it's not, It's not the, um, you know, I guess another thing I, but that just kind of brings me to that. I hope that kind of answers that question. What I thought about, I just wanted to be really comprehensible and basic, interesting. I thought really got to get that. One down. Um, but the other thing that I've been trying to do, which uh, I will, yeah, just a lot of the stuff that is kind of tricky to learn the discipline of making yourself do the work. But I won't get, <laughs> I won't be too hard on myself right now. But I want to make a, a continue to make a series going over the most commonly used words, because um, that's something I actually haven't mentioned to you yet about my Spanish journey. Was I I had the only the only thing I really spent money on was like fifteen hundred flashcards. I had a stack of flashcards. I have a picture of like the stack of oh no it was it was from my elbow all the way to my like this this stack of like fifteen hundred words, and I would I would learn like. 10, around around 10 new words a day, like seven or 10 or something. And I would just flashcard them and I would go in the order of the most commonly used words. And that was a tip I had gotten from Tim Ferriss from his podcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so that was, that was very helpful. And then when I tried to learn a little bit of French the same way um, recently, like I noticed that, I, you know, the... French is not a phonetic language. And so you don't really know how to pronounce these words. Right. That was kind of frustrating. Like even these little, when there are these little hurdles in your way of learning a language, it can actually cause like a substantial amount of, um, like it can stop you a lot, even though it's a small hurdle. Like mentally, it can be hard to get over these little, I, I find. And so just the fact that, like, you know, okay, I can learn these words, but now I have to go into Google. And like type them and listen to the lady, the robot voice pronounce it. I have to try to remember that. I thought, man, I should just make a playlist where we're doing like five words a day and I'm giving the context and saying it. And then people can, they can use that video to accompany their flashcarding, you know? So you've got like, you know, if you're spending 30 minutes a day learning, you can spend five or six minutes, um, flashcard five or six minutes, you know, reviewing a video of those new words. 
and then your your other 19 or 20 minutes you can spend that um watching videos watching mm -hmm. what, sure sure I, i'm curious what you did it with spanish the flasco thing i mean um did you only had the, the like the names of like the words in it or because yeah. i've never i mean i've tried them but in, i'm not a big fan in general just telling you up front <laughs> because it's to me it sounds like it, it, it's obviously better than you know grab traditional grammar classes and so on but to some extent to me it still feels a bit like conscious learning even though it's not the same like i said but i'm curious yeah. i totally agree i think you know i I think it's um it's an open question as to to whether my learning would have been better with or without it. Um, right. I just I just did it and I thought it was useful to some degree, but um you know again I think I think comprehensible input is way better. That's why I wanted to make a similar thing, but just with um you know we're still going over new words because you still have to get exposed to these basic uh, words. Yeah, yeah. You have to kind of like swim past the. Um, the foundational knowledge in order to start watching videos. Um, oh, wait, I'm sorry. I kind of forget exactly what your specific question was. No, like yeah. when you did it with Spanish, like because in my mind, there's when you, if you use flashcards or a similar idea, there are different ways to go about it. Like to me, there's like the closest to the traditional way, meaning just simple words, or are you using context or? I know what you're doing in your in your videos, in those specific video series, you're talking about them in context, but that's mm -hmm. way better, of course. Yeah, because I'm not translating anything. It's just, you're just getting the word. I'm not even explaining the word. I just, I present it, and I'm like, now we're going to use this in context a few times. But the way I would do it in Spanish, which, yeah, I, I agree, might be um, like suboptimal. But the way I did it was uh, just English word, like or Spanish word, direct translation on the other side. And then I would look at the English side and I would try to remember the Spanish word. And I would just do it enough where I had this association of of what that word means. Which yeah, I agree. It's not it's it's definitely not ideal because it's like there's English now. Now there's English in my Spanish learning. Like right. fundamentally that shouldn't be the case. But um but I just and I was a new, you know, I was new to language like I was like but um, we're we're talking ideas. There's no no judgment, of course. <laughs> yeah, but I wouldn't I wouldn't um I wouldn't focus too much on it. I would do it for like a few minutes a day, and if I could if I could run through those five words and get really if I could just commit them to short term memory for like the five or ten minutes I was sitting there, I'd be like I'm done. I'm done with these words for the day, um, and I'm just gonna watch videos, and right. and I I really relied on the comprehensible input to give me that internalized meaning that, that okay. instant understanding of the meaning but it, it just helped a little bit with like what does that word mean oh yeah it, but but you know yeah what's about to say that yeah sorry go ahead but uh, i just think you know that's why i make the videos that i make for the right that's the better yeah I, I was just uh thinking that perhaps it might help you with like you said you're gonna have it in your short-term memory, which is directly not going to help you be able to use it yourself later on. But mm -hmm. it might help um, 
you know, those comprehensible input videos that you were watching be more comprehensible because you recognize the words, right? Yes. So it's not that it's the source of your acquisition, but it helps it. <laughs> you know? Yes. It's, it's, you could kind of think of it like, you know, you know, at the start of the day that that word is not in my, in my universe at all, not in my brain. Right. And then if I bring it to the short term and then while it's in the short term, I use the comprehensible input to try to bring those words to that long term, uh, you know, natural, mm -hmm. I don't know how to describe it. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychiatrist. Right, right, right. But yeah. Like, yeah. Because you have it in your short term, that might also help you understand other, like more of the context. I mean, like more of the, of the message from those comprehensible input videos. Yeah. Um, actually, so this, you know, this just, for some reason, talking about this prompted a, a, a cool memory of mine that I want to share, which was, I think this was about five months into my Spanish. Um, I remember I was, because in the beginning, this is something that it, the, the whole translating to your native language is a very dangerous trap that mm -hmm. you have to actually kind of consciously, almost like meditation, because it's like, you're, you're not doing anything. You're just, you're trying to stop doing something. It's kind of like, um, actually talking about meditation is a whole other interesting thing, but I'll save that for, for after this maybe. Um, I remember one time I was laying down on my bed, uh, like before going to sleep and I was listening to a podcast and, and they had said the sentence like, um, un pueblo al lado de un rio, mm -hmm. a, a town on the side of a river, something like that. And in my brain. I noticed that what happened was as those words were being said, there appeared in my brain, like in, in my mind's eye, some kind of old town and like a river uh, and a town next to the river. And then like just milliseconds after that, my brain, my brain said a river on, you know, a town on the side of a river. And I noticed that I actually noticed the order in which it occurred. And I was like, whoa. I got the meaning, like I created the scene in my head or the, or the, you know, my, my brand before, and then I tried to translate and I was like, oh wow, I don't even have to do that. You know, that's an extra step I'm doing that just really all it does is it takes your attention away from the next sentence because right. the person, you're not going to stop talking. Right. You know, if you're, if you're, if you understand one sentence, but part of that, if, if a habit that you have is that now you have to just translate it to like solidify the meaning. Well, then you, you, your attention is vastly diminished for the next sentence. Yep. Um, yeah, it's, was... No, no, but it's, it's super interesting because I think that, um, that first part in which you're, you're sort of picturing the scenery, that's what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. I always talk about it with like a, the simplest of examples with an apple. Like we, like we want to connect the word apple with the mental representation of an apple, not with the English equivalent of the word manzana, right? Of course. And yeah, I was just thinking that um, not relying on translation is not something that you can turn on and off as you wish. I think mm -hmm. for the most part, it depends on how you are learning the language back to where we were talking about at the beginning, if you're relying on translation, if you're watching um, series in English for Spanish speaking people, like I said, with, with subtitles in your native language, that's exactly what you're doing. Mm -hmm. 
that that was going to happen whenever you're listening to English in this example, instead of building the mental representation of whatever it is they're talking about, which is what we're trying to accomplish, mm -hmm. you're thinking about Spanish, about the Spanish translation first. Yeah. And you know, that's gonna, uh, that's gonna do to you what you were just talking about, right? That you're gonna stop. You're not gonna pay as much as as much as attention to the next sentence. You're not going to understand as much as you thought you would. Just it just hinders the process in general. That's and you right. know, I remember I remember like for some friends that aren't into language learning, and you just kind of you know you can update them every few months with how it's going. I remember after after I was fluent, um, like one of my friends kind of kind of asked me or like insinuated that I was translating. It was like, oh, well, you know, well, you, you know, you still have to translate all the time, right? You're always translating in your head. And I was like, no, like I, I don't. Like I, I really largely do not translate at all. And they're just like, what? Like, you know, like it's very surprising for them. I think people have this model that like who you are is, you know, it's like your hair color, your eye color, whatever, and it's your native language. And that's just like your base model. And now if you want to learn another skill, it's going to be an addendum to like that, uh -huh. that native language. But, uh, yeah, it's just not, it's not how brains work. And, yeah, or totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think we're just so used to the traditional grammar approach. Like we all went through it when it comes to learning a second language. Right. So we're so used to, how do you say that in, how do you say manzana in English? Yeah. I mean, how do you say apple in Spanish? Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> or we're so used to using translation and things like that, that it's not that you can stop thinking in your native language whenever you want to. Mm -hmm. it, it has everything to do with how you're trying to learn a language. Yeah. And I think another, one thing that's very interesting to me about it is, is just, it's, it's weird that we have, you know, we have electric cars and we, we've had, we have people in space and we have just a whole number of great advances in physics or whatever. But the first principles behind language acquisition are so faulty. They're so like unexamined um, in the way in, in the in academia. And it's it's really this misunderstanding between um, what a type one and type two thinking process is and you know the fact that language is a type one ability and that if you if you try to use type two um, thought process, like like you know a, a grammar worksheet, that will never it will never you will never translate to a type one ability because you're not engaging that part of your brain. Um, right. And um, yeah, another thing I, I like I I mentioned before is the I, what I think is yeah I was just about to mention how I think that a really useful tool for um for aiding in the process of focusing on on comprehensible input on another language and also avoiding the trap of translating everything mm -hmm. is just like mindfulness meditation just some very like you know eastern buddhism like those practices um like vipassana meditation or just mindfulness where you are focusing on sheer like experience like the feeling of your breath and then you notice when your attention is is taken away from 
from your breath and you start thinking some random thought, being able to recognize that you're distracted and return to your breath, mm-hmm. that is a very useful skill for especially the early stages when you're trying to focus for an extended period of time on this like this stream of noises that you've never heard before, right? In that like, and and your mind the whole time is speaking another language. Right? So you're trying to focus on Spanish, but your brain is is just telling you stories in English all the time. And it can be very distracting. And um I found I found that my experience in meditation was very helpful for just recognizing that for the for the trap that it is and just knowing that that is you know that distraction doesn't have to be there well i guess it's it's hard to it's it's nearly impossible to get, take that away 100% yeah. but noticing that 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 distraction is is um is something you can tune down and that you can like overcome um I just think I just think meditation is, is a very useful practice for getting into language learning. Right. Yeah, because I, I was just thinking about it that I might be listening to a podcast and what I do sometimes is related to it is I sort of observe my mind, meaning that so am I picturing what what I'm listening to in my head, like you talked about, or am I focusing on the language? Or am I just wondering, you know? Sometimes that's also an indicator of whether I'm it's comprehensible or not. Because I, I find that when when I'm fully focused on, on the story, yeah, let's imagine it's a story. I'm fully focused on the story. I'm 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 painting the scenery in my mind. Everything is going well. I understand everything, right? But sometimes I start thinking about, oh, I need to go to a supermarket and buy whatever. I start thinking about other things. So then I realize, okay, my 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 mind is just wandering. So I I'm probably not. It's not probably as comprehensible as as it should. Yes, or it it might also not be as interesting as it needs to be. Right. I'm just kind of not caring about what they're talking about. Right. Yeah. So yeah, using more like an indicator of whether it's actually being a good. Uh, like I, I'm spending a good time with it or not a good time in enjoying it, but also is it being comprehensible, right? Because mm-hmm. I might be listening to that story for thirty minutes, but if twenty out of those thirty minutes, I'm just want my mind just wondering, it's not going to be as effective either. Hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent, yeah. There's two, there's two aspects. Like you can sit in front of the, in front of the uh, content, but if you're not paying attention. Yeah, but that's that is another. Um, this is kind of an, an analogy that I've come up with after thinking about how to explain the process to people. It's like the amount of energy and focus it requires is is very different than, for example, if you are doing like chemistry. That that it requires a lot of, you know, type two, real, real kind of like I don't know how to describe it, but just hard thinking. Look, um, one, one, sorry to interrupt. What, type two is more like like analytical skills, maybe as opposed to. Oh your... yeah, yeah. I should clarify. So, um, a good example of type one and type two thinking. Um, I I like this example a lot. So if you're if you want to take a a rock and you want to throw a rock at a moving truck, hmm. like you're standing still, you're in the street and you just want to throw it. That's a type one action because 
you just you have this you have this concept in your head of like how fast that car, that truck is running. You have a, you have a you can tell how heavy the rock is, and you can just kind of throw it, but it's all automatic. Mm-hmm. But technically, that is a that is a physics calculation, right? It's just automatic for you. Now, if you want to make if you want to get a rocket to go to the moon, you can't just you can't just be like, yeah, that looks good. Well, right, right, you right. Have to sit down and you have to really figure out what you're doing. And that's right. that's the difference between type one, type two thinking. Got it. Type one thinking, it doesn't feel like thinking right. to people, um, but it technically is. You know, your brain is doing something. Yeah, it's more like intuition, subconscious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And so, um, yeah. So what I what I tell people is that you know to to sit there and watch um, watch a, a video, a comprehensible input, you know, basic basic video. You just have to apply the same kind of attention as as if as if we were walking around an art museum and we were standing in front of a painting. And I just told you, like, just admire this painting. Just look at this painting for like five minutes. Right? That's not difficult. You just you're just paying you're paying attention to it, you know. Um, and hopefully, if I ask you, like, were there any people on a picnic in that painting? You could tell me if there were. You were. You were paying attention, but it's not exhausting at all. You could do that all day. We could walk around the museum all day, and I could just show you different paintings. And it's it's that le- it's that kind of attention and focus that you need, which is is um, very passive on some level, yep. uh, but it, it does require some degree of focus. It's just not what people maybe are expecting that they're going to have to implement. You know. Yeah, yeah, that's a good example. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, and then just reassuring those people that in the first few weeks, it's really like the first few weeks, a couple months that are crucial is like, it's, it's not going to feel like you're understanding. It's going to feel like everything's going over your head, but that's okay. Like your brain, your brain is paying attention. When you go to sleep, your brain is sorting all of this while you sleep. Like just trust the process. Yeah. That's really a, a very important advice is like, like believe in the first principles of what you're doing and just trust the process and have patience. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's, I, I always talk about it as well, but I think that's probably the, one of the most difficult parts about it for most people, again, because of how languages are taught for the most part, right? Because we're, we're taught to pay attention to, to consciously pay attention to form, to grammar and so on, to consciously control the process overall. So again, telling someone to just relax and listen to something and make them believe that the person is working by doing so mm. is going to be challenging at the beginning, right? Because we just not used to it. But again, that's just the way it works. <laughs> yeah. And to be honest, fortunately, that's the way it works. Because yeah, of course. Yeah. If if it had to be the other way. My goodness, I wouldn't even speak Spanish. <laughs> that that that's a funny point because yeah, it's like the the universe could be one of two ways. Like we could we could live in a universe where the human brain like just doesn't respond to comprehensible input, and like that's just how our brains are and that's how the world is. But like you say, luckily it just happens to be this easy passive thing that you yep. don't really need to like. You can be you can go run a marathon and like you know take a math test and be exhausted. And you could still just put on a TV show in another language and uh, and just watch it passively, and you will learn. You know, you yeah. be very productive in in that exhausted state. Um, 
Oh, I was going to say something else. Uh, just it just slipped in my mind. Oh, another um, another kind of interesting interesting point that obviously just touches everything we're talking about was I noticed that when I was getting to the point where I was speaking Spanish, when I made a mistake, um, you know, there's this temptation to really try to construct the sentence properly, right? Like, you know, it didn't come out right. And then you stop and you, you try to create the sentence piece by piece. And I noticed that if it ever happened to me in English, where if I was speaking English and I, I said something wrong, it was a totally different feeling. In English, because of my native language, all I do is I just, I stop and I just wait. And this, the correct sentence just appears. Like if, I, if I'm speaking and, blah, 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 and I stumble over the words or I use the wrong grammar on a rare occasion, I just, I just go, blah, blah, stop speaking. And like half a second later, one second later, there's the correct grammar just appears in my brain. And um, that is, you know, an example of, of how this is a subconscious like field of knowledge that you are creating. It's a, it's something that, yeah, that, that's a good way to put it. So. Yeah, it's like when when someone or or you make a mistake in your native language, you just for a second it just doesn't feel right. Like sometimes you know right away, like okay, that's not the right way to say it. But sometimes you stop for a second and you're like you're talking to yourself, like is that right? Mm. Not sure. So you need like a couple of seconds to check with yourself, like mm, no, it doesn't sound right. Yeah. And the the key, I think, to the key to getting your second language to this ability to where you know you just wait, the correct form comes to you, um, no matter how complicated the sentence. I think it, it's just a matter of those hundreds of hours of input, you know, just more and more and more hearing the language. Yeah, you just have to listen to the same structures or similar structures and phrases and the language overall for a long time until long time. You acquire that, yeah. But luckily, humans are awake for sixteen hours every day, depending on where you're doing. I used to actually, when I, um, one thing I really enjoyed doing, and I would, um, you know, I would I would be tempted to like recommend this to people that are learning a language. I know jobs and careers are kind of a whole other discussion, and you don't want to you don't want to sabotage too much of what you're doing in that direction. But if you can find a job where you can listen to something on the job, oh man, I I have spent hundreds of hours uh just you know whether it's like walking around handing out uh, pamphlets right. or like, like this summer cleaning boats um or anything you know there's a, there's a lot of things like washing dishes you can just go wash dishes and if it's quiet enough you have good heads mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you can just have like four hours of comprehensible input at your intermediate advanced level and then you walk away from it and like oh you beat money too you know? right right <laughs> You didn't pay to learn the language. Now, obviously, you're doing the other thing, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's that's a good tip. Yeah, I find that fun. And yeah, like you know, to wrap things up here. So you you talked about your Spanish journey, that you went to Spain for the first time after 10, 11 months of mm -hmm. learning the language, of getting exposed to comprehensible input, actually, mm -hmm. and. First of all, where did you go to? Just curious. So I, I went to a few places in Spain. I, I landed in Madrid. Or wait, 
Yes, I landed in Madrid, and then I went to Galicia. Mm. Um, met up with um, met up with two friends that I knew from the U.S. and we went to this like concert, this like like this long festival thing in Galicia. And then I went. Oh, man, I kind of forget exactly what the this was in like 2019. But then I went. I met up with a friend in a really good friend of mine, still a very good friend in in Barcelona. And um, I lived with him for a little bit, and we were like running. We were super into running. And um, he was a friend I had met in, in Montana at school. Mm. So I did like two weeks of traveling around, and then I spent like two or three weeks with him. We did it. We did a huge race in Andorra, like a twenty-three kilometer race or something like this. Um, was all the mountains too, right? Yeah, huge mountains in the middle of nowhere. It was so beautiful. I want to do that again. Um, we did that with I did that with him and a couple of friends, and then, and then I went and I went to like the south of Spain and just kind of did the hostel thing again. It was uh just boring. South of Spain was just so beautiful, Matt. Like Malaga, mm-hmm. I think. I think it's still probably the most beautiful city I've ever seen. Um, Malaga. So you spent like a month in Spain overall, or in total it was five weeks. Yeah. Five weeks. It was like, you know, a week here, a week here, a week here kind of thing. But yeah, you, you mentioned that you started communicating for the first time in that trip and it was challenging at the beginning, right? Like it is for everyone. And challenge, like, like, you know, compared to what, like if, if I had known the level of challenging it was uh, when I started, like not, it, how do I say this? Sorry, it's bad English. Um, it's like, it was so much easier than I would have anticipated when I started. It's just, you know, compared to my ability to speak now and how tiring it is. Yeah. I can, I can see that I was still in the early stages, but man, it was, it was shocking how, how much I, I could express myself mm-hmm. considering I, I didn't know, I didn't even know if I was going to, you know, keep learning. I, I just wanted to try it. Um, right. And so, yeah, to me, it felt like, like I said, I had, I had barely talked at all. Um, for 10 months and then the first day all of a sudden you know the first day i probably spoke more spanish than i had in the past 10 months and i remember like the second day i was like oh it's even easier and the third day it's like even easier and i kind of hit this like you know like one two three days like okay now i'm at this level and it kind of stayed the same level of difficulty after that third day Right, and then after after those five weeks, you went back to the states and continued listening to Comparison Limpot. And then I'm setting it up to ask about the difference between that first trip in Spain and the next time you had to use the language. Like, where what, what were the differences? You know, because I'm I'm guessing that after that trip, you kept listening, you kept listening to Spanish for quite a while. Yeah, every day. So you felt the difference that second time you had to actually use the language, right? Yeah, the second time I had to use it was actually I was selling solar panels um, in English and Spanish. Mm-hmm. So I got this job and I was like, I was like the youngest kid there. I had no sales experience. And, uh-huh. and uh, but I was like very excited to learn. And, and I'm like, I remember the interview, you could tell the guy just had this look of like, ah, screw it, we'll hire him. And I think it, it came down to the very end. He's, like, he's asking me all these questions and he's reading my thing. And like at the end of the interview, he's like, oh, you speak Spanish? I'm like, yeah. 
and and I, I learned that that was a huge thing in this company in this in this business was like they needed Spanish speakers. So you could see him kind of be like, okay, fine, like he's okay, we'll give him a shot. He speaks Spanish, um, and uh, so I had to go like half of the appointments I would do every day would be, which is I would go to a Spanish speaking house and I would have to explain to them all about this solar panel thing. Well, uh, well, was that in Montana or is it was in New Jersey? Oh, it was in Jersey. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, so that was the that was the next time, and then, but that was kind of that was a like a lot of that was a script. Frankly, I had to learn mm. this long ass like sales. But um, sales, I don't like it. It's a very kind of fake way to interact with people, but whatever, it, it is what it is. Yeah. But yeah, I had to learn this so uh, this script. But I, I remember that was that was kind of intimidating. Because I'm like, I had, you know, the only experience I had was these five weeks in Spain and I'm like 18 months into Spanish and it's like, okay, go be, go like this high profile job to people's homes, like this gringo, you know, like everyone else in the company, all the other, like the other four people that spoke Spanish, they spoke Spanish. They were native Spanish speakers. And I'm the only one that's like, I taught myself shit. Right. But it worked out. It was good. Nice. Nice. And are you looking to do the same thing or replicate the process with another language or that's something for the future? Frankly, man, I like, I think I'm kind of unique in the, in the, in the, or I don't know about unique. I just, um, to me, like it feels like Spanish was kind of enough but right now. At least I would, I would be very interested to learn a language with another alphabet. Mm. Um, I think that would be the next thing I want to learn. But I, I frankly, I just want to wait until the resources are better. Uh, like, I can't find a good. There's nothing like dreaming Spanish or like Thai or Hindi or, or Russian. Um, but those languages, Japanese, interesting. You're like, I want to learn one of those where it's a different writing system. That seems cool to me. Mm. But I've, I've tried to learn a little bit of French, and the fact that I, I can't stick with it, it just shows. Like, I'm not super passionate about personally learning a lot of languages. Um, yeah, yeah. I just, I just decide to work on this because I think it's the most impact I can make in the world probably. But, um, yeah, like I, you know, in theory, I could sit here and watch like an hour of French every day and I, I would learn French. I'd be, I, sh I should be fluent now. I started doing that a while ago, but I, I just don't, I just don't care enough. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's, yeah, you could say it's unique, but no, actually I've, I've heard some people talk about I mean, not exactly the same idea, but you know, the, the fact that they learned Spanish or whatever the language was because they loved it, they lived in the country or they were in love with the culture mm -hmm. and they wanted to learn that, that one language, but they're not really that interested in, that interested in other languages. So yeah, that worked. Like learning the language for them is, or, or for you is more like a, especially a connection with people from those countries and the culture. Yeah. So, yeah. This, so, yeah. The whole, all, all of, you know, Spain and, and uh, Latin America was very interesting. And still it is, you know, I still really like it, the language itself. Um, and so, uh, you know, partly it is like my Spanish is, you know, pretty good, really good. However you want to describe it, but it's not perfect. And I, to me, it's like, I still, I still feel like, you know, I, if I have an hour or two free, I want to just keep keep my Spanish at a good level rather right. than uh, rather than do something new yet. But I'm I'm sure that within the next 
10 years, I will, I will take up right. uh, another language. Yeah. But at the end of the day is, you know, if you've got three hours for your language learning, you know, a, a day, if you split that into three languages, it's going to be an hour each, right? So the price is going to be slower. Yeah. It's just mad at some point. <laughs> Of course, as long as it's comprehensible and you're enjoying it, that's that's a given. I mean, that's a, 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 uh, that's necessary. I mean, but you know, if you're spending three hours on one language as opposed to three hours on three different languages, it's just gonna take you three times as much time. <laughs> yeah, just math. <laughs> Sounds like a lot, but um, yeah. So, but yeah, I guess to, to answer your question, I would. It's just a matter of like. I, that's the, I, that's the thing I would say. If there were resources for one of those languages, mm -hmm. um, really, really, if, if, if Japanese, and I know there are some on YouTube, but it's just not as extensive mm -hmm. for me to want to take it, take it up. But yeah, like Japanese, Hindi, Thai, something like that. I, I think there's one for Thai. Like, like they're, they're, they've been testing a lot. I would say it's mm -hmm. comprehensible Thai, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. I know there's a school, man. I tried, I actually tried to apply to the school. Right. It was like during COVID, they're like, we don't do classes anymore. But for a time, I, yeah. for a time, I did want to go put myself in that physical school in Thailand. I was like, that sounds sweet. It's but, uh, yeah. yeah. So like you said, for Japanese and other languages, like you said, it's not as extensive as it is with Spanish. But I believe that they're posting every day, if I'm not mistaken, on the Taiwan yeah, and like 25, 30 minute videos. So, oh damn, okay, that is a, yeah. It's it's been a while since I checked. You know, um, okay. I believe it's comprehensible Thai, but yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, I'll check that. Out. All right, so yeah, thank you so much, Cameron, and it's been a pleasure. And obviously, I'll leave the links to to your YouTube channel down below and. You know, for everyone, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll leave the subtitles in, in Spanish for this interview, like the automatic ones for Spanish speaking people who don't understand this yet. So if they want to keep working on their English, you know, and they want to do so by watching Minecraft videos or, um, I saw that you're reading comic books as well in some episodes, right? And mm -hmm. Just different, fun, interesting ideas to, to learn the language yeah. while you're having a good time. Yes, yes. And hey, I'll keep, you know, we'll keep working. I'll keep seeing how things go. I'll, I'll get some, some new ideas and some new feedback and stuff. And we can probably do a part two in Spanish. That sounds fun. It's been yeah. a real pleasure. We will, we will. <laughs> cool. All right, man. So yeah, thank you, like I said, and have a good day. Yeah. Hi, Tom. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for watching this interview. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it was helpful for you. And uh, if you want to know more about language learning, language acquisition, like, you know, what's, what's the best way to learn a language, ideas for language learning, uh, the best resources at different levels. Here, you can find the whole playlist with all the interviews I've done so far with different researchers, teachers, polyglots, and so on. And finally, right here, you smash this guy right in the face to subscribe to my channel. I really appreciate it. And I'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye.